Welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a bi-weekly podcast examining best-in-class examples of branding, strategy, content, and technology in legal marketing. Each episode is devoted to a successful initiative, an innovative campaign, a promising technology, or an effective proven strategy for developing new business at firms ranging from solo attorneys to the largest international firms. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I am joined by Brandy Knox, creative director of Knox Design Strategy. Brandy founded Knox Design Strategy in 2009 as a design studio specializing in corporate communications, brand identity, digital strategy, and graphic design for professional services, financial, and law firms. Before launching Knox Design Strategy, Brandy was the manager of brand and design at Sherman Sterling, LLP, an art director at Notovitz Communications, and an assistant professor at East Carolina University. Brandy has been recognized in the 2013-14th annual Howe Interactive Design Awards, the GDUSE 2013 and 2011 American Graphic Design Awards, the Interactive Media Awards, the Legal Marketing Association's Your Honor Awards, the Webby Awards in two categories, the AIGA 365 29th Annual Design Competition, the Multi-Jurisdictional Comprehensive Planning Award, the Associated Collegiate Press Pacemaker Award, and the Society of Professional Journalists Mark of Excellence Award. She's been included in publications including Bright Books Logo 2.0 and Bright Ideas in Business Card Design, Rockport Publishing's 1,000 Plus More Graphic Elements, and Letterhead in Logo Design 11, Applied Arts Canada's Visual Communication Magazine Design and Advertising Award, How Magazine's International Design Awards, and In-House Design Awards, as well as Creativity 29. Brandy, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you. It's great to be here. So let's just start with the big overarching question. What is branding? Branding is a process of uh, articulating to your desire to your target audience um, or your prospects the essence of your company or your firm. Uh, a brand, in essence, though, to to point out, is not really what you think of your firm or your or your company. It's really what your audience thinks of of your firm or your company. So, the process of branding is hopefully to um, you know, elaborate on or potentially change those perceptions, or to re, you know reestablish those those perceptions um, in your with your audience. Right. Uh, is there any way that that branding is different, say, for a law firm versus another kind of company? You know, is there is there something special about branding a law firm? Um, I would say what I find different uh, within you know professional services and B two B and particularly legal is. With a lot of our clients that are, you know, medium to large law firms, uh, clients are paying a premium for that service. And there's a point where, you know, the quality of work, there's an assumption of the quality of work that you are getting as, as a client. Uh, so, so really a point of differentiation can be culture, personality of the firm, personality of the attorneys. When you're paying a premium that you know that this firm, this firm, and this firm can should and can be able will be able to solve your problem. So then, what it really comes down to is, what what are the characteristics that differentiate them from one to another? Uh, what makes me want to work with firm A versus firm B? And very often, we're finding that comes down to culture and personality. Uh, it really comes down to the individual attorneys because at the end of the day, if you have if you're exploring three or four options and you feel confident they, that they're all going to be able to solve your problem, that comes down to who do I want to spend my time with if I'm going to be working on a, a, long, a very lengthy matter or a deal for you know, several months or eight months. Like, who is that person that I'm going to feel comfortable with, 
trust, um, and, and at some point really just enjoy working with. Uh, it sounds like that right there is sort of the, the core vital essence of branding. You know, what do I think of this person and do I want to spend my time while they're working for me? Is that, is that a fair summation of it? It is, it is. And sometimes it's a matter of like you might know, you might know this about yourself or your firm, but your audience may perceive it differently. So then how can we brand you to better articulate that messaging and that truth that might be perceived differently on the outside now? Uh, in, in the about page on your website where you list your services, um, brand identity is a distinct category. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they think branding, they think, okay, I'm gonna redo my website. Um, what's sort of the relationship between branding and these other things, you know, corporate communications, graphic design, visual identity? Um, are those things that add up to branding? Are they things that uh, influence or that uh, um, amplify brand? You know, what's that relationship? Uh, one is, is to look at, you know, before you even start with the visual, is to look at your messaging and how you want to be perceived, what that tone of voice should be, how, like, what, what do you want to put forth out there to the world? Not just visually, but in the, in the written message. And, and often that is, you know, more abstract when it comes to visual, whether you're, you know, cutting edge or, you know, conservative or, um, you know, what, whatever those terms may be, those attributes that you describe yourself or your firm, how that needs to be consistently articulated across all of your, your communications, print, web, uh, your logo, your identity, so to speak. So, you know, I guess a similar question is, um, to what extent does strategy define brand and to what extent does brand define strategy? Is everything flowing from the brand or is the brand gonna be influenced by how you intend to implement your marketing as well? The brand identity, the visual, the written, all that is informed by the strategy. So we always start with doing um, a lot of research and finding out as much as we can and then articulate that into the messaging and into the visual aspect. So you're, you've, you know, uh, in, in your first answer and that last answer, you hinted at the process. What does mm -hmm. the process look like when you rebrand uh, uh, specifically a law firm? So typically we, we start by taking everything that we get from a client, um, looking at their current materials, their current messaging, their website. Uh, we do a little digging even before we start sort of doing on-site meetings and interviews so that we're better informed. Uh, we look at competitors, we analyze your target audience. So when we come to say that initial first me uh, meeting uh, whereby we like to include all the key decision makers, uh, we, we're, we're, we already have some sense of who you are. Uh, we have some groundwork that we've done basically. So it enables us to better uh, ask questions, to be dig a bit deeper. Um, there, there are some standard lines of questioning that we use and then some that are very specific to the client. Um, so we, we just take everything in at that meeting, typically do some initial interviews that better inform us. We go away, we document all of that. We start to look at key 
challenges that we see, uh, positive and negative perceptions that we see, and we really start to narrow that down and refine that. We also look at, you know, how is a firm currently perceived, how they want to be perceived, uh, and we, we start to craft messaging, um, tone and voice, uh, and then we move into visual around that. So who is involved typically in that process? Are you talking to, uh, say, just the marketing team? Are you speaking to a marketing committee? Uh, are there key partners that are involved, or are you speaking to everybody? It varies typically depending on the size of the firm. Uh, for many of our medium-sized law firms um, and some of the smaller ones, they often don't have their own marketing department. So in those cases, we're working with typically the partners directly. Um, they will usually form a small marketing committee, and there are typically some associates on that as well. And we have a lead contact that we work with directly. For the larger firms, they usually do have a chief marketing officer and a, a business development marketing team that we work with. And, and within that, we do like to include, if possible, some attorneys or sort of those key um, decision makers and those from an executive committee uh, because it enables us, have, us having better access to the, that C-suite enables us to move more quickly, uh, make sure mo we're more accurate in, um, in, in this, the decisions that we're making and just cuts out a little bit of like sort of the back and forth interpretation. Uh, now in terms of getting final approvals, this is something that I, I, I deal with a bit tangentially. Um, how or who or, you know, who do you want, how many people can be making that decision? You know, should it, should there, who, where does that final line, where's that final decision made? Is it, uh, wh what's easiest for you? You know, like when you go into a situation, you go, this is going to be easier, this is going to be, you know, a nightmare. What makes it easy for you? Hmm, what makes it easy is knowing up front who those key decision makers are going to be and and having access to those key decision makers. Um, not meaning that we're you know, going directly to them for everything or every question, but making sure that those key decision makers are uh, available at every key milestone meeting to discuss strategy, to discuss messaging, to review creative, making sure they're, they're aware and on board so that you know, too much time isn't wasted. You get sick you know, th two or th four months into a project those individuals haven't seen anything, and then they feel that the team as a whole is sort of missing the mark. So keeping them involved is very important. Um, in terms of processing and approvals, it's very different for every firm. Uh, I was in-house at Sherman and Sterling for almost five years. Uh, that experience has really given me a lot of insight into how large firms work. They're all different, but in legal, there's always a lot of processing and typically a lot of decision makers. So we're aware of that going into our projects, so we really work with whether it be a marketing, you know, whoever our contacts are, whether it be a, a marketing committee of attorneys or a business development team, but to put together a strategy for getting buy-in from the larger audience, how are we going to deliver creative, deliver the strategy, get approvals, like what works best, is it one-on-one -on -one meetings, is it, WebExes or, you know, however that may be in, in order to achieve that, that buy-in and that sign-off, we work with them 
with those teams in order to be able to manage that process more seamlessly. And so, I mean, essentially knowing up front all of, you know, how that process is going to work is really important. Mm -hmm. Being able to outline a strategy for that. It also enables you to really look at your timeline. If you know you're going to need four rounds of approval with four different groups versus one, knowing that up front, we can build that into our timeline and scope. So I want to transition a little bit here. Uh, we've been talking sort of these bigger ideas of what is brand and what is the process for you know figuring out what that brand should be. Um, I want to move down to how that brand manifests itself in particular marketing uh, avenues, whether that's something really simple like the business cards and the letterhead, or something you know like a website that's a little bit broader, or even content generation for blogging or whatever other social media feeds firms are take, making use of. Um, could you maybe go through an example of a, a project you've done recently uh, and how that brand has, you know, how that brand manifests in all of these different channels, all these different marketing uh, tools? Uh, we are working with um, a Westchester-based firm right now. Um, they came to us, that they felt their messaging, their website, all of their branding was very outdated and did not reflect the personality of the firm or their services. Uh, we also had certain areas uh, whereby they felt um, certain practices that their audience, even some of their clients said, oh, well, we didn't know you did that or we didn't know you, you know, had this practice. So, you know, we first addressed some of the the look and feel and, the, and issues and, you know, they're a very creative firm. They, they you know, they're, le they're obviously lawyers, but they come up with very creative solutions to complex problems and they think out of the box. So we wanted to look at how we could articulate that, not just in our messaging and the written word, but how we could articulate that visually. So, you know, abstractly this is, is in their materials and their new logo and their new mark. Uh, they're a very personable group of attorneys and their clients really like working with them. So, you know, it, firms often talk about how they're, they're this and they're that, but they don't really show it. So we brought a lot of that personality into their website. Uh, we photo we photographed all those attorneys so their personality really shines through. Uh, we enabled them to have bios that were not, that were, they're consistent, but they're not boilerplate. So they're able to add details about themselves or their personality or, you know, areas that um, they think are important that, you know, every other attorney at the firm may not, you know, may not have those same aspects. But it just gives you more insight into who they are. So, you know, thinking about that personality uh, or those, I'm sorry, the, uh, the multiple personalities of a firm, you know, you're dealing with all these partners who have their own practices that are part of the firm but sort of their own thing as well. Um, how much flexibility is there in a brand for that divergent personality? You know, how how strict is the brand? Are we are we asking about this particular client or just no no more generally? Yeah. I don't know. I, it's hard to say when you say how strict is the brand. I mean, there needs to be consistent messaging on a firm wide basis. There needs to be consistent visual treatment of certain things that are you know should be all these things should be documented in a style guide. Um, very often, though, you know, we do uh, blogging, 
blogs or microsites that are an offshoot of, um, this might be a good example, an offshoot of sort of their firm-wide brands. So elements of that should certainly remain and certainly be intact with those separate blogs or separate microsites. Um, but they should, you know, sort of you're, you're recrafting that messaging for that practice or that group around the, the firm-wide messaging, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit tricky, but you're giving that group that's sort of their own personality. And I'm just using this, this one client where, whereby we've done a lot of blogs um, for this client as an example. Um, but typically, people are also going to a particular attorney or a particular practice for work. So they're, you know, by crafting that messaging at that level, you're really able to connect with your audience a little bit uh, more seamlessly. So I'm assuming the same thing would apply. A lot of people, uh, a lot of firms, a lot of solo attorneys, small firms, um, you know, are trying to make as much use of the content that they have that they can. So they're using this across multiple channels. They're showing up on blogs, they're showing up in their speaking engagements, they're showing up in, uh, I've talked to a couple of attorneys who are doing podcasts now. Um, so there is some flexibility for different voices across these channels, but there's sort of like an overarching tone or voice that that, that we're trying to maintain. Is that is that what I'm hearing? It is. There is an overarching sort of firm-wide messaging and tone of voice, but at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm hiring that firm, I'm really hiring that practice or those attorneys who are going to be working on my deal. So that's also where that connection really needs to happen. Uh, so you recently had an infographic, the ten rules of branding. I thought maybe we could go through that. Okay. Yeah. Um, first one was my favorite. Uh, branding is really really important. Yes. Do we need to add anything to that? Nope. I think that pretty much <laughs> speaks for itself. Um, and you, the next one is it must be authentic. Mm -hmm. um, could you elaborate on that a little bit? It's really hard to differentiate one professional service from another. As I said before, everyone does. If you're paying a premium for that service, the assumption is you're going to do a stellar job, hopefully, regardless. So authentic is really determining why it is that your clients like working with you and what makes you different. And don't be afraid to push the envelope a little bit or sound a little bit different than everyone else. Because if you sound just like everyone else, then you're not going to be remembered. You're not going to stand out. Right. So you know, if you're worried about what they think or you're thinking, this is what the, uh, my audience wants to hear, you're probably not going to be authentic. It's got to be more about this is who I am. Yes, and I think that it, who you are is really what your audience does want to hear. If if they're comparing three or five different firms and you all sound alike, then, you know. There's no differentiation. What's, yeah, what's my decision based on? Um, this next one I think is important and I want you to expand on. Uh, the brands that we know, the big brands we think of, brands like Apple or Nike or Clorox, um, that's something totally separate than what, we're talking about in a way. Mm -hmm. um, most of these firms, I would say no firm is spending millions of dollars or billions of dollars on TV ads and marketing in that way. Um, what is that difference between these big consumer brands and the kind of branding we're talking about? Well, th there's obviously a specific product, a tangible thing involved. Um, 
it's having a product or a service and really owning it, not being afraid to push the envelope and really own it. That's why, you know, any kind of bleach, I feel like everyone refers to as Clorox because that's now the name that we know. It's like Kleenex. There are a million types of tissue, but Kleenex is what we sort of refer to all of them. So, um, you know, it's a matter of how you put that your messaging out there and your visual identity and how that resonates. I mean, Apple, I think, is even outside of, you know, Apple just does what they do, and most people love them, not everyone. But um, it's they they took hold of and claimed a niche that no no one else claimed and offered a product that wasn't there before. So I think being able to find a niche or hold on to something that you can claim as yours. Uh, this next one I think a lot of firms might find controversial. Uh, but you noted uh, nobody cares how long your firm has been in business. Um, firms were going to argue with me about this one, I'm sure. But um, I, I do feel like there's a lot of, you know, we've been around for this many years. We've been around for that many years. I I don't really know if anyone really cares. I mean, obviously, if you've been around uh, only a couple years, someone might care. But most of these large firms particularly have been around for a substantial amount of time. And... Uh, Clients just know you want to do good work. It's important to state how long you've been around. I mean, obviously, I've stated how long I've been around, but uh, I don't need to articulate that in every piece of communication that I put forth. Right. It's not necessarily a huge differentiator. No. 30 years, 40 years, 100 years. Yep. You've been around. You're still around. You're doing good work. Exactly. It should be enough. If you've been around longer than most of our lifespan, we, we assume that you've you know established some longevity in the field. Now, if you've been around for 300 years, maybe that becomes <laughs> yeah. something to, to tout. Um, uh, the next one, uh, use short, simple words and get to the point. Uh, things like not committing to do something, but simply doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's direct enough and straightforward enough. Uh, though one that I think a lot of attorneys, especially on social media platforms, uh, should take to heart. Mm -hmm. A lot of verbs and verbiage in the Yes, we have a very short attention span generally as a society. So, so I think, yeah, definitely on digital, you got to keep it short and to the point. Um, and you got to say something meaningful to your clients. Uh, it's not something, it's not what you want to hear. Uh, you know, what you have to think about your clients. Your clients have to come first, and your potential clients really have to be what you're thinking about. Correct. And, and substance, you know, I think this is why a lot of our, I'm hesitant to use the word blogging because a lot of firms are hesitant to blog, but whether it's having a blog or a microsite where you can produce content that's real specific around particular matters or recent laws that have been put forth or developing thought leadership pieces around that, whether they be print or digital, but being able to really, um, rather than give me something that's very high level and very general, dig down into what the issue is that I might be dealing with and give me a little guidance and a, a bit of resources that I can, uh, that I can use. Uh, the next one, it has to be unique. I think that's what we've been talking about this whole time. You know, by being yourself, by being who you authentically are, you're going to be unique, and that's going to be enough. The next one uh, you talked about at the beginning, uh, if you don't manage your brand, uh, you have no control over what it will become. Correct. Which, in a way, is good for us, because if they lose control of the brand, then they have to bring someone in to fix it. <laughs> uh, but 
what does actively managing a brand look like? What does that entail? Well, on a, on a very sort of, um, I think the foundation of that is through the strategy, you determine what these spe specifics are about how you, how you want to, um, what you want to say about your firm, how you want to look, what, that, what all that visual and written messaging should be, articulating that in a brand style guide um, through templates so that, you know, as people work with your firm internally or in other offices or other teams, um, that message is consistently communicated, um, design is consistently executed, so you just put forth a consistent overall um, image. I'm going to just go by this, the ninth one quickly. Uh, design is critical. Uh, logo, color, appearance, these are all integral to the brand, um, which gets back to the last answer, maintaining that and being mm -hmm. consistent really is, is what mm -hmm. maintains a brand. Um, the last one I think is fantastic and gets back to the process you were talking about earlier, uh, and that is hire a pro. If it looks easy, it's because of an expert did it. Um, and experts have a process, they have a series of, you know, they've done it before, mm -hmm. they have a whole system for making it work. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but. I, I would say because I, I hear this a lot, sometimes when firms come back to us and they say hired a firm to do something and haven't been happy, they say, well, we, we got these visual directions and no one at the firm liked them. Um, it shouldn't be subjective. And any of those visual directions should be rooted in the strategy. When you put forth internally, when you're sharing concepts, whether it be written or visual, you want to be able to say, this is why we did X, because it communicates X. You should very clearly be able to articulate that. It's not subjective color and typography and visual approach. It should be rooted in that foundation. You should be able to justify it. That will help your messaging going forward, but also will certainly help you gain buy-in and approvals throughout that process because you have rationale behind why you did what you did. So that's, those are most of my questions. I'm wondering if there's anything on branding or anything in legal marketing that, I, that I've missed that you wanted to point out that you think are really critical for, for firms to think about in terms of their brand, in terms of maintaining that brand. I would just say the, the one... One approach doesn't work for everyone. So um, whether you're managing it in-house or working with other teams, like really carefully plan, determine who you want to work with, what your goals and objectives are, and show some flexibility and involve all the key decision makers early in the process and throughout the process. Uh, well, Brandy, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio podcast. Uh, the Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business. The theme music was composed, composed by Ryan Knock of Knock It Out Music. If you enjoyed this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio, please subscribe on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. If you know someone who should appear on the Legal Marketing Studio, please reach out to producer at legalmarketing.studio or via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.